Hello and welcome to another Arsenal Supporters Trust podcast. We're on the eve of the World Cup, so we've got Times journalist Henry Winter joining us. We'll talk all about Arsenal and the upcoming World Cup in Qatar. This is the latest Arsenal Supporters Trust Bulletin. Hi, I'm Lewis Gladstone Stubbs, a member of AST, and I've recently got involved in issues representing the membership to the club to do with stadium design, atmosphere, and the general match day experience. This is something that I really, really care about. Um, I'm a season ticket holder myself, go along with my dad. Um, and as much as we've noticed this season, atmosphere getting so much better in the ground, I still think there's quite a lot of work to be done. So the majority of this work has been around implementing safe standing at the Emirates. So I'm part of a working group that engages with the club on a regular basis to try and implement that in the ground. First, this has taken the process of understanding exactly what's possible. So structurally, feasibly and economically what the club can do to build safe standing in because they are inclined to do that, which I'm sure will be great news for lots of you listening. But also we're then looking at how they go about doing that, where in the ground it's built, what timeline, when they're going to do it, all those kind of things. So that's what I've been working on recently. Um, I'd love you to get in touch if you have any views on safe standing. Hopefully you've seen the survey that went to all supporters fairly recently, setting out exactly what the club's plans, um, I'm sorry, I should, sorry, I should say exactly what the club's possibilities are. Um, and then that will form what the plans are after, once they've found out what the fans want. So I've actually been really, really infused by this. Um, I was slightly concerned that a lot of other clubs around the league had taken the lead on safe standing. I personally think it's clearly the future of the uh, matchday experience. I think it does fantastic things for atmosphere. Uh, it matches what people want to do with what they can do safely. Um, so all in all, I'm really pleased that the club has seems to share this view. Um, and at a time when the connection between the support base and the club seems to be at, in recent times an all-time high, I think this is another signifier that they are starting to take the wishes of the supporter base pretty seriously. Separately, on stadium and match day issues, we've also been meeting with the club on ticketing. One of the things that the club are doing is working with Ticketmaster to ensure that demand can be met and, importantly, to ensure that bots aren't interfering with ticket sales. Something that's not quite as glamorous, but believe me, you'll notice it when they do. Second, on sale dates, we're working with the club to ensure that they spread so that fans aren't in a queue when they don't need to be. So this, again, just makes the ticketing experience that little bit easier for the ASC members and for the wider, the wider support base as well, obviously. Third, on ticket housing, this is an issue going back quite a while now. There's been a lot of engagement with AST and the club on this to make sure that people that really want to be in the ground can be. And on ticket touting, the club have put out some comms ahead of the Spurs game, which hopefully people saw, and they carried out some mystery shopping, which is welcomed by AST. So again, the club here, I know I'm starting to sound like a bit of a cheerleader for them. Um, I think there's a lot of issues, don't get me wrong. But on stadium issues, match day experience, um, the club are taking what we say seriously. They are listening to what AST advise and they're being really, uh, really engaged in the process. So again, if any members want to reach out to me, um, you can do so through AST. If you want to speak about anything to do with safe standing in particular, um, then hopefully I'm your man. So give me a shout. 
Love to hear from you. Welcome to the podcast to the Times, Henry Winter. Henry, how are you? Hi, mate. I'm very good. Very good. Looking forward to Qatar. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that shortly. Um, I think I spotted you spotted you at the Emirates for the, the Thursday Europa League games. Uh, you've obviously, you've covered, have you covered all three? Uh, oh, I can't even remember what I was doing. You've definitely yesterday. done two. You've um, done two. Yeah, I mean... Sure. My, my my love of games, you know. I mean, yesterday I was I was so close to going from Chelsea to uh, Spurs, but it, which which was easy to do. And in fact, I was talking to some England fans the other day, and they've managed to do. They're going to do four games in one day, and wow. you know, there's so much written and talked about football, but for me, everything revolves around the 90 minutes, revolves around the match. And then all the debates about whether, you know, player speculation, manager speculation, all the issues in a way revolve around that, the, the football, the 90 minutes. So, yeah, so to go on Thursday to watch t and who I'm an admirer of, understand his frustration at the moment, be such a pro, you know. Yeah. You know, when you saw it, hey, it was brilliant yesterday. I mean, you were, you were there. You were in I was. The, at Chelsea, yeah. Shed upper, I assume. Yeah. yeah. And um, there was a great moment when all the sort of the Arsenal players were coming out to sort of warm up. Sorry, the subs were coming out to warm up and they were putting snoods on, they were putting hats on, they were putting sort of, th- I don't know, thermal waistcoats on or whatever. And then Tierney comes out. Shorts. Shorts, sleeves, you know, and he's just running down there. And obviously you guys gave him a big cheer and on the yeah. other subs as well. He's, so. he's, he's from the Vic Akers school of, uh, yeah. of fashion, isn't it? Yeah, but I do feel for him for a bit because you can see with Zinchenko talking about the game, yeah. Zinchenko does that Pep star stepping into midfield, then great yeah. Xhaka, and it's, you know, they're effectively playing three at the back at that time. And Tierney is fantastic, but he's more straight lines. He's yeah. brilliant overlapping. Um, so, but, you know, if everyone around him, people at the club say, you know, he's so dedicated but you know, he might have a decision to make in January or next, you know, maybe yeah. summer. But but Arsenal need people like him because he's such a pro and he'll step in if Zinchenko's injured or you know, obviously Zinchenko's never gonna play 90 minutes. Um yeah. so yeah, and I know Tommy Yasu can play that side as well, but he's really needed understudy for Ben White on the right. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's I mean a year ago, Kieran Tooley was one of our most important players because actually he was one of the only outlets for attack when we were really struggling to create chances but obviously Mikel's got his kind of team together now so talking about sort of Arsenal I mean it's a bit of a loaded question I think it's quite easy but I mean how impressed have you been because we all have been very impressed with Arsenal this season um, impressed but not surprised I mean, you know, we've spoken about this before. I'm, I'm a huge Arteta fan. You know, you meet people in life, and I don't particularly know him, but obviously I covered him and interviewed him as a player and, you know, sort of talked to him and people around him when he was at Manchester City. And there's some people, even if you don't necessarily see them, sorry, talk to them, they have a certain aura, they have a certain substance to them. And then just talking to people at City particularly Raheem Sterling, was talking about how he helped him technically more on the half turn, you know, just not letting the, the ball get stuck under his feet, just more fluidity, literally on the front foot um, and developing. So his coaching skills were clearly always there. This The, the question was always going to be, and I can understand why a few Arsenal fans had their doubts, was going to be, could he take the step up to be a manager? And I think if you know his character, 
he's tough. You know, there was only going to be one winner between him and Gundozi, between him and um, Aubameyang, a point that the, uh, I, I heard the Arsenal fans making at the bridge. And I thought, how on earth am I going to get this into the time? So I think there were a few asterisks thrown in there. But, you know, he's, he's got he's got substance, he's got character, he's got really good coaches around him. I think probably at least two of them will go on and become managers. He's got, and but the important thing, he's got leaders all over the pitch. You know, if it all comes back to players, the quality of the players, and they're fit and they're firing, they're partnerships all over the pitch, particularly at centre-back, particularly out wide. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, so, yeah, it, it's impressed me, but... You know, not like it's not really looking back with hindsight. You know, all the whole trust the process thing, which was a slightly strange phrase, but you know, it's it's there. And you look, you saw in that documentary, he's got a slightly quirky side. But I actually, I quite like. I saw Stuart again yesterday. We know actually Stuart Farm, photographer, who gave that great rousing Churchillian speech before the North London derby. You know, I, whenever I see him, I say, "Oh, you're giving the team talk again." He rolls his eyes a bit because obviously everyone is saying that. Uh... But, but but you know what? But but Arteta had realised that whether someone had told Arteta, I don't know whether he obviously has got a connection with Stuart and knows how passionate Stuart is. I just thought that was good management. And like if Fergie had done that on the eve of Barcelona, everyone said genius. You know, so uh, no, I think there's he is he's special, and you know, yeah. and he will he's doing fantastic things with Arsenal. He may well succeed Pep Guardiola one day. Not for many years. I think Pet will sign another contract. And I think Arteta is obviously clearly committed to to Arsenal and you know what he's doing with you. But he's he's that he's he's not Guardiola's level, but he is he is following in illustrious footsteps and he's obviously learned a lot from him. And if you need a way of getting things into your pieces, just get Granite Shaka to say it because he, he says it he says it how it is, doesn't he? Which uh, <laughs> You know what? I just when you saw that interview happening, you just knew Des was it Des Kelly was going to have to sort of swim around and 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 apologise. I have to say, listen, I mean, okay, so the kids watching and it's not great, but you know, I, I like that passion and I and and the Jacker story of all the individual Arsenal stories that you'd know better than anyone is is remarkable because you know I wrote pieces saying well he's going to get booked before he leaves the club, disgrace to the captaincy and all that, and look at him now. I do think having Thomas Partey in there, the Zinchenko infield element, allows him to to push on and we're seeing the more creative side to him. Uh, oh. I thought he was going to get booked in the last minute with the with the flare yeah. Chalabar, which I actually thought the referee handled well because you'd have had to have sent Chalabar. He did, yeah. Um, and he's, you know, he's a good referee. But no, to see Xhaka play like that, to score those goals and to be that influential. But again, I think that's reflected around the team with the amount of players who are playing as leaders. I think just, I mean, just on, on Granite Shaka, and obviously we, we were lucky enough to do a podcast with him and stuff. And I think, you know, his, his family life has developed. He's got children now. I think he has developed as a person. And we've actually seen that over the kind of five to seven years he's been here. Um, and, and I think, you know, just to hear his name sung, and I think he, he really, I've spoken to a couple of the comms team and they're, he, I think he was generally in just astonishment how it's all turned around for him. And I think he's a great example now to people, isn't he? He's just a really good example. And also the leadership on the pitch, what I felt yesterday at Chelsea was he really took charge of those last five minutes. Everything was played on the left-hand side between him, Martinelli and, and Jesus before Martinelli went off for Rob Holding. But he really controlled that and he killed the time. He absolutely killed the time, which was just that pure leadership. He's a very intelligent 
footballer. That's why the hot-headed thing was just sort of a frustration because you could see what a good footballer is. But he 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 doesn't do many interviews with, with with us. But he did one with a colleague of mine, Dave Heitner, in the Guardian about five six years ago, and they took him down to I think it was in Camden Town, and there's a picture of him near the Roundhouse. Like I grew up around there, so it sort of resonated. But just but he came over with such an intelligent individual in the piece, such a thoughtful character, and then there was these just stupid bookings. You know, I mean, I almost had, you know, just knew going to an Arsenal match, I would tweet, you know, this is not a test, Granite Jack has been booked. But I just think, yeah, he's 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 come of age. Absolutely. And it's funny you talk about Stuart. I, I remember a week before the Amazon documentary was out, I saw Stuart. I said to him, are you going to watch the doc? He goes, watch it. I'm in it. And <laughs> I, I thought he meant like just in the background, expecting to be giving team talks. But obviously... He, he knew Mikel from when Mikel was playing here and stuff like that. So there's obviously, obviously a connection there. Um, which just just on Stuart, but, I mean, people like Stuart are so important at the club. Obviously, people know about him partly because he's, he's been in the dock and partly because he's on the pitch taking pictures. Yeah. So, but, but you know, the, the thing about Arsenal, and look, I know it's similar to many clubs, but I think it's particularly pertinent at Arsenal, is that there are a lot of people that when, when you talk to the staff at Arsenal behind the scenes, say if you're parking up your car or you're walking in or you know what the media room's like, or yeah. you're chatting to a steward, I always get the impression that it's not simply a job for them, that they are... You know, I've always got this image of some or two, you know, one or two of the sort of, you know, the, many of the stewards and, and staff going home and hanging up their Arsenal blazer and sort of, you know, brushing it down. Yeah, yeah the pride. Yeah, the, the crest is glowing and all that. I, I think it's more than a, you know, there's a passion, there's, yeah. a, there's a loyalty, as well as a professional obligation when they work for Arsenal. Yeah, that's just reminding me, actually, because well, obviously you know where I sit and there has been a few changes this season, so I'm not always there. I'm in another seat, but I did see you actually go up to the guy who does the sound. I think your sound wasn't working on Thursday night. Or yeah, something, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But again, yeah. that fella's there every week. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, yeah. I don't know his name. But he'll always say hello, mate, to me. Like you know, yeah, what yeah, I mean? yeah. it's just that it, he's got that. a great smile, and also he's yeah. one of those people you'll know. This is a journalist. The um, people like that. He's like he's like the perfect farm, and it's like yeah. ready. he comes and rescues you in your hour of need. So in a way, your appreciation of him is even more because I've got eleven hundred words and I'm trying to press send and the Wi-Fi for Arsenal's Wi-Fi is very good but all the staff there in the media room and and you know that's and I think it's particularly good now and I know this will resonate with 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 you as a fan having full grounds back now is just great because I went to all these games behind closed doors I was parking downstairs you know we were allowed to park in because the government said right go in and out but you have to park actually in the, the area of the ground and there would just be empty spaces everywhere. And then you obviously get up and it was empty. And and the steward, there'd be a few stewards there, a few stewards there, and some of the sort of media people. But there was always that distance. And you could see, like, I was going in, it was professional, I was going and doing my job and leaving. But you could see for them, it was like they'd lost a member of the family. You know, the fact that they'd lost their family, basically, the fact that there was no one around and they couldn't, you know, that tactile element, that vocal element. So I, honestly, I do, I've never, I don't forget going into grounds now. I mean, I did about 150 games behind closed doors across the country and in Europe. And just having fans back is just, uh, yeah. I will, I'll never, ever, you know, it shouldn't. Fans are the lifeblood of the game, as everyone says. Yeah. But, you know, just walking up from the tube and just, you know, when they block off the road, I think that's brilliant. Because, yeah. you know, it's like you walk up from the tube, they block off the road and you think, brilliant, fans are back. 
Uh, we'll I'll talk a little bit about atmosphere at Arsenal and stuff in a second, actually. But just before we sort of finish the Chelsea kind of thing, obviously at, at Chelsea, uh, the away end is safe standing now. And that's my second visit to Chelsea. I've been to Spurs. I've been to Old Trafford where it's been safe standing. And each time I've felt it works so well, it, it feels safer to me. I mean, obviously last year we had a, the 4-2 at, at Stamford Bridge. So four goals when we weren't expecting it. We lost three before that. The, the celebrations, it just... It really has made a difference. I know you're an advocate of it. I know you know that the AST have been pushing it for years. We've had big surveys done. We're now pushing Arsenal to hopefully implement it. But have you kind of, when you've been across the other grounds that have had it, have you heard from fans, stakeholders? Is it been quite a, is it been successful across the country? Very successful. I mean, initially I was concerned about it, if not sort of completely opposed to it. Obviously, having written a lot about Hillsborough, the issues there, it had to be safe standing. And the fact that when they brought in the sort of rail element and it it clearly worked. And the fact is there has been a drop off in atmosphere because slightly because, you know, the the people who are going to the games, elements of it has have changed. I think the ticket pricing, particularly to 18 to 24, has actually priced out some of the naturally the noisiest bit. And I talked to clubs about that and, you know, they are aware of it. But of course, they're, they're all pretty money driven. Um, so yeah, and no, I think I, honestly, I think across the board, it's been a huge success and um, fair play to, you know, sort of fans like you and to the football supporters association. And I think Manchester United's fans were particularly yeah. sort of rising to wanting, yeah. to wanting to do it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, th- there's a broader issue here is that if I go to Germany, they, they obviously the fans work club by club, it's tribal, but actually they will take a collective stand on an issue. I do still think more, and we've talked about this before, the clubs over here, even though everyone's so tribal, if you stand up together like you did on the European Super League, you've got so much more power. So the Football Sports Association do a fantastic job. But when all the fans get together on these issues, like I, personally, I think that Sky, BT, everyone should have a week's cutoff date from the moment the, the, the fixtures are announced to that next block of fixtures. So we don't have people getting mucked around. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've got, what's it, you have one, is it, you've got, have you got eight o'clock, is it? On yeah, we've got, we've got an awful Christmas schedule. So we've got Boxing Day, eight o'clock. Yeah. We've got New Year's Eve, 5.30 away at Brighton. And we've got Newcastle on the third, which is the first working day at eight o'clock. So the poor Newcastle fans, their first two days of the year, working days have to be probably annual leave, which is, which is tough. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the Newcastle fans... They'll come anyway. <laughs> they, they, they'll, they'll, they'll come anyway. They'll, they'll just sort of, you know, find somewhere to kip and they're, they're amazing. <laughs> but yeah, it is... I mean, I looked at that Brighton game, the 5.30 one. Yeah, and if, Yeah, and actually, if you look at... The, you know, if you try and book a ticket now, it actually says, well, the, check near the time because there may be engineering works. Yeah, or strikes. You know, <laughs> and, you know you're going... Yeah. You know, yeah. and then they try to say... You know, then we have green campaigns in football, and that you're effectively the efforts on the Premier League are forcing people to to go on the road. Yeah, I mean, with that as well, there could be strikes, which which we're, we're not sure. Obviously, the, the strikes last weekend were were um, postponed. It didn't actually make a difference because trains couldn't run anyway because of the, it was too last minute. That maybe implies that there is a sort of deal to be reached soon, hopefully. But again, we don't know if there'll be strikes on Boxing Day, New Year's Eve. So it's just that we're totally in limbo at the moment. But, but a broader final point on this, fans, if you all get together, you know, and then put pressure, because you've seen the, you know, the uh, 
that you know the, the the pressure. I mean, Boris Johnson. Whatever you think of him, he reacted to the fans' pressure on the European Super League. Yeah. Like, I will drop a legislative time bomb and, and stuff like that. So, fans collectively, you have so much power. Yeah, absolutely. Um, moving back to Arsenal before we talk about Qatar. Um, we've, I mean, you know that the AST have have kind of been quite critical of the Cronkies. I know, I know you have as well. Um, certainly around the Super League, it probably reached its absolute climax where it was, it, it was serious danger of the relationship actually probably breaking. But, but to credit, you know, Josh Cronkie did come to meetings, did meet us. Tim Lewis, board members met us as well. The advisory board was set up. Still not sure it's working perfectly, but but it's work in progress. But what what is your view on kind of our owners? I know you're not as close to it as us, but you know at the moment it's a weird one, isn't it? Isn't it? Because Arsenal fans kind of are thinking we're top of the league. We've actually spent a bit of money. We've backed the manager. We, we, <sighs> yeah, I'm not sure what Arsenal fans think at the moment. I mean, I mean, I write a lot about owners, particularly American owners, and their commitment, particularly in the wake of the, the Super League. Well, I've been writing about the Glazers since two thousand and five, and they do make you know when they're unhappy, which is which is fine because it's our job to, you know, it's it's your game. Yeah, it's, it's my job to sort of cover your game and to make sure your game and the pyramid and clubs are protected. And absolutely, I mean, I agree with you on Josh Cronkie. I, th- I think, you know, you talk to people around the club and I think there's an element of empathy. I quite liked his relationship with Arteta, which you'd heard about. And obviously it came over in the in the documentary. Um, but his dad, but these, but they'll come again with the Super League. Yeah. They will see. That's I mean, the telling me, are you telling me that Top Bowley spent what four and a half billion pounds on Chelsea and he's got to sort that stadium out and probably do a bit of sort of refreshing of the squad? Um, hasn't overspent, and at some point he will try and maximize his money, whether that's putting up ticket prices, which obviously is will, will, will provoke a reaction, or whether it will be some version of the Super League. Whether it will be, I think probably they'll try and do another 39th game, they'll try and take games over to the States. I think, I think, I mean, my, my colleague Tim Payton will tell you that with Arsenal, well, all of them, but they're still actual members of the Super League because I think it, it's yeah. costing them quite a bit to leave and the legal stuff. I mean, it's if only they looked at all that before they joined. But so, I mean, absolutely, that that that's probably the fear we have. I think where we are, Cronkies, is you know what, we can't fault them for what they've done in terms of yeah. backing the manager, backing the team, all that kind of stuff. But you just still are quite curious long term keeping quite a watch for why long term because of the super leagues and stuff like that but we kind of impresses me is v9 yeah i like him i mean people say well how much power he's got well you know a he's a very bright guy and he's a very collegiate guy in terms of working with with people he's very I, I would say he's very caring and concerned about the image of Arsenal and not simply for financial reasons, but I just think he's one of those people who wants to do the right thing. He has a certain, you know, it's a civilized individual. There's a bit of sort of class and dignity to him, almost a bit of sort of old school Arsenal. Um, so, you know, when you know that people like him are at the heart of the club, um, you know, Arsenal, you know, because of the location, because of, you know, you've been there on non-match days. There's so many yeah. events going yeah. on. It's very much in the heart of the community. And also when I think about Arsenal as a sort of, as a club, I'll think about, you know, Alan Sefton in the community department. I'll think about the work they do. I think probably Arsenal Everton, the best two most life-changing, life-affirming uh, community schemes in, in, 
in football, and that means world football because the Premier League have the best community schemes along with, with some of the EFL ones. So I think it's a, it's a broader thing. But just coming back to the, the, the Cronkies, I mean, look, they didn't grow up with pictures of Charlie George on the moon. You know, they, their first words weren't 1-0 to the Arsenal. They are, they're about money. And at some points, they will, look, I'm sure they sell now, they make a lot of money on the club. Um, but I just think my my concern is, is that they will try and do something with the television rights. You'll then get an imbalance in the Premier League. And, you know, the whole thing is that there is this sort of competitive element to, you know, on any given day, you can have a, a strange result, Forest beating Liverpool, whatever. And I, I do like that. So I hope they don't ruin the, the, the sporting integrity, the balance we've got. Them. Also, it may not necessarily be such a huge concern for you as an Arsenal fan, but I'll absolutely go out there and fight for the pyramid because the pyramid matters. Also, well, from your perspective, you look at quite a few of your players, they were developed. They came up through, um, you know, whether it's EFL competitions or on loan at clubs or started out at clubs. So the pyramid is absolutely vital. And I don't think the Cronkies understand that. Yeah, I mean, you look at Eddie and Ketia, Emil Smith-Rowe, all spent time on loan, you know, and developed their games. I think Bakayo was probably a bit of a freak because he just had that natural talent. But yeah, absolutely right. I think the pyramid is important. And, you know, equal kind of money and stuff like that is, is definitely something the AST have been pushing with FSA. Um, just finally on Arsenal, have you noticed the atmosphere change? Because I think that's something, probably the biggest talk of the town is Arsenal's not a library anymore. It's actually starting to become a little bit of a fortress, quite intimidating. Is it something you've spotted when you have come to the Emirates? I mean, intimidating is quite a strong word to use, particularly you know, if you, you, you wait till you go and see an Istanbul derby. Yeah, well. <laughs> you wait till you go and see an old firm match. Putting it into perspective, but I mean, look, these are elite athletes, you know, and they are, they've climbed to the top of their profession. They shouldn't really be intimidated. Having said that, I thought Bamiang, I don't think he was intimidated yesterday, but I think he was inhibited. I think the first the quality of Saliba and Gabriel and with Thomas Partey in, you know, in front of him. And even when he went wide, he was running to Ben White, you know. Um, but I do think he he just looked like he didn't want to be there in terms of that game with that focus. He then got that booking. He went, I mean, was it he had 10 touches all matches? Yeah, it was awful. You know, I mean it's, it was it was shocking. But intimidating, I mean, yeah. In, in, what I mean by that is, I mean, in, in, in context of the last 10 years where it's been pretty, it, Arsenal was an easy place to come, I think, for, for, yeah. our, for opposition fans, for players. Yeah. I don't think it was ever, it was a tough place. But we've just, along with the atmosphere, we're starting to put results on. I think we, we've beaten Spurs, Liverpool. I think we, we fancy beating Man City at home now. I think we yeah. feel we can beat anyone and that. We haven't felt like that for many, many years. But a lot of that's down to the players. Yeah. You look, you look at the players. Well, first, all grounds have got a sort of slightly interesting atmosphere at the moment post-COVID because yeah. everyone's back in there. And what I've noticed is that fans are arriving early at grounds and certainly leaving later. Like I would normally leave sort of like an hour after the game. It would normally be a free run out of there. But I, And it's really good because it shows how much fans have missed it. So there is that that emotional element and that, and the noise. But I think if you look at the players on the pitch, you're not a soft touch anymore. You look at Ben White standing up to, you know, whoever. I mean, nothing seems to phase Ben White. You look at your centre-halves. You, you've got a goalkeeper who's a, who's a confident individual. You've got Sinchenko, who 
you know, we all know what his country's going through. And he is a tough, tough individual, as Ukrainians are. And if I went out to, to watch Mudrik play, and I could see why Arsenal would like him. Because yeah. he would, you know, if you can get him for 30 million, his price has probably gone up. That's Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, he's, he's, he's a talent and he will fit into the, you know, you've got hard individuals. I mean, Gabriel Jesus, you know, he's a winner. You've seen that in his career. Bakayo Saka, you saw the abuse he took with England and the way he's responded to that. So I just think the tone is, a lot of it is set by the, uh, by the players. You're not a soft touch, you know, mentally and physically. You look at your team. You've got strong individuals there. So, yeah, I think that sort of sets the tone. And the fans have got every right to, uh, well, even more right to make a noise. Having said that, I thought last Thursday night, the... Um, <laughs> they were lively, weren't they? Zurich. The yeah. Zurich fans were, were, were terrific. I mean, I was still uh, writing half an hour afterwards for my rewrite, and they were still there singing. And so I think, I, you know, I think that's good. But, you know, that's a good sign. The fact that you get, what, 60,000 for a game yeah, like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, demand is off the roof at the moment. Yeah. We could probably sell it twice at the moment. There's just that uh, we've got members contacting us as a trust saying that we is there something wrong because we can't get tickets. It was so easy last year and the year before. So it's a good thing. It's obviously causing us a bit of work, but it, it's absolutely a good thing. You're, you're the club I probably, probably with Chelsea as well, to an extent that I weave my way past most touts going into a ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of them are going online now as well. So that that's that's the the other issue we're working on. Um, but moving to Qatar, um, obviously, the, 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 if we talk about just the Arsenal link there, obviously we we think Bakayo will will certainly go. Um, people might listen to this after the squad's been announced. Some might listen to it before. So we, we you know they'll know if Ben White's been included. We don't at the moment, so we won't dwell on it. But he certainly putting in a late run to get in and obviously the injuries to Reese James and stuff like that have, have, have helped but is there really I mean Trippier probably is up there as well but I mean I, I would definitely take Ben White but maybe I'm biased what about you? Well remember it's a 26 man squad yeah, yeah. Three, and he can play White. two positions he can, well and also because Southgate is pretty much wedded to having a back three even going in against Iran, he'll probably play like that. Ben White can play certainly two of those positions, centre and and the right-sided centre-half. You can obviously play uh, right-back if he goes to a four. I mean, the way he attacks, I could see him playing as a, a wing-back. But if I was a, a betting man, I would say that uh, Sean Trippier will be his starting wing-backs in the tournament. But Ben White... I hope he's in the squad because he deserves to be. But we always have this debate with Southgate. He always says, well, I pick on form. But we know he doesn't always pick on form because, you know, Harry Maguire is out of form. And he's, he's been in, yeah, he's been in previous squads mm. or whatever. So, yeah, on form, he absolutely deserves to go. Obviously, Aaron Ramsdale will will almost yeah. certainly go. He's Probably number two. We'll be number two to, to, to Pickford, but I mean, how impressed have you been with him or do you think actually there is still a gap between him and Pickford? Yeah, there is a gap. I mean, Pickford's, Pickford's outstanding and, you know, but, but then he's had all those opportunities at international level and has is absolutely delivered in them. Um, but Ramsell, I, I like Ramsell's personality. <laughs> I think that's, you know, if he makes a mistake, he boxes it off and, and, and gets on with it. I think he's. I was slightly surprised when Leno um, left. Sorry, um, Martinez left. Martinez. Martinez, particularly. Sorry. Um, and, but, you know, he's been, you know, again, Arteta's been proven completely right. I just think there's 
he's good. You know, England have got depth in goalkeepers. Yeah. You know, there's, mm. there's, a, there's been a battle for, for third between between Henderson and Pope. Pope. Pope's having a great season as well. Pope's having so. a great season. I mean, I'm a big Dean Henderson fan, and I think the third choice should always be a young goalkeeper. Um, and talking just generally about Qatar, obviously there's been, you know, if we, if we look back, it was under set matter. There was a lot of kind of noise around that. There was obviously the campaign that Prince William, David Beckham were involved in. I remember at the time that we were all just absolutely disgusted with the result of, of, of where the World Cup went. I mean, what do you remember about that time? And has your feelings kind of mellowed now? And as you actually, as we're on the eve of Qatar, because there's not much we can do about it ultimately. I don't think it's mellow. I think it's become even angrier. The fact, oh, fine. The, the the fact that it is there. Um, what? So obviously the um, the morality of it, the uh, temperature. Obviously that's changed yeah. to, to to a certain extent. The geography. I, I would be look. I'm very fortunate. This is my ninth World Cup. You, every World Cup offers something completely different, and it will be an experience. But I think they missed a trick. I think if they've gone for a, a gulf wide tournament i mean you basically got you know a, a, a tournament in you know in in in, in the size of high yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy um was i think if they sort of spread it out i think politically actually it might have brought some of the sort of the gulf states together uh look my, my brother's a quite well-known imam and he's you know he's he's traveled in these 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 places and i take a lot of sort of guidance and respect from him and you know i respect islam deeply because of my brother and because it's one of the world's great religions so i will be going there you know with a with an open mind but also with absolute contempt towards certain rules that they have in their state towards gay people um so yeah, that's one. Did you ever? Did you ever think about boycotting? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, honestly, I don't. I mean, I have any serious journalists boycotted it. I'm sorry. Yeah. We go to places. Uh, so I went to Russia, and you know, I'm a, for the last World Cup, and there were obviously sort of you know growing issues with Putin, growing issues with cybersecurity, um, and you know uh, other issues and of course you go and you cover and you you without getting too sort of high horsey you you do try to shine a, a light on issues that are going there you're not going there to educate but you're going there to maybe actually have a chat with people have a you know have a have a debate but what i think is also so important is that this generation of england players i mean you know some of them you know you know Picard Saka. Yeah. You know, he's really intelligent. These kids aren't in a bubble now, partly because of the journey that they've made. Some come from broken homes. Some have endured racism, hunger going into school, something that Marcus Rashford That's did. Right. This, is, this is a very conscientious generation of players. And I'm quite, even though I'm old enough probably to be their granddad, you know, <laughs> more than I, I feel pride. There is an element of pride that they will go there. And I do know that these kids have got a moral compass. Whether the Football Association lets them talk out, as I know privately, having had one or two discussions, they that they would like to. But I think, yeah, probably they will make a point out there. And I think it might raise the, the the debate certainly internally in Qatar but the key thing is to go there as a journalist I'll be there for four weeks it will be a huge great FIFA style bubble party um, 
the key thing is then to go in two months' time and see if anything really changed. Because you could say that about South Africa 2010. You could say that about Brazil 2014. Wow. You certainly say that about Russia 2018. I mean, you 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 simply wouldn't travel there now. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you think England will do? Do you think, you know, considering we're obviously what, minutes away from winning the Euros? Um, well, one kick away, two kicks away, maybe. <laughs> um, but I mean, how, how do you, what, what, are, what are you thinking, England's I, chances? I, I think we've got players who've got a trophy in them. I'm not sure we have the coach who has. I just, I've, you know, I'm very lucky with what I do. That's the first time I've ever left a ground angry after the Wembley game. Partly because you knew the racist abuse that was coming to the three black players, including Bukayo, um, uh, and also because the disgraceful scenes beforehand when Wembley was stormed. But also, but what a what a missed opportunity! I mean, you know, selfishly, I quite well. Everyone in this country would love to see England win a trophy Gross. and to get that close. And you saw the buzz around the Lionesses. I'm not yeah. comparing the the, the, the the two, but you know, you just saw there was you know Trafalgar Square full and all that. I would love to have in my career, which is now 35 years, to have that opportunity to write an England win major trophy. I've done the tournoi. I did the under 19s this this summer, which was which which was good. Um, but I think Arsenal had a young right back. Player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know, he looks quite a prospect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so but Southgate has got to be braver. I don't think that defence is strong enough that he can grind his way to, uh, to to the World Cup. I think he needs to unleash the forwards. I think if you had if you went four three three and you had a central midfield of Bellingham, Rice, who obviously going to start whatever formation, then I would play Foden as a sort of drifting ten, Saka on the right, Sterling on the left, Kane up front, and then a back four of. I mean, I'm a huge Trent Alexander Arnold fan, but I understand defensively he's not right and then I think if you had maybe a white if he's selected then you have a sort of stones I mean I'll tell you what a back four of Trent Alexander-Arnold focus and bombing up then you have Ben White as the right sided centre half who can cover for for Trent which he could do naturally John Stones and Luke Shaw with obviously Jordan Pickford in goal um I don't think as a four-two-one-three, whatever you want to call it, which is almost actually the system Arsenal played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think went on the front foot, they would have a chance. But I think Southgate will probably pick seven defensive players yeah. and then have a bit of time to make his changes. So I think yeah, that also. So the finals against France is is kind of what um, I think that's the cut for England. Yeah, it's probably frustrating with, with you know, you, you haven't mentioned Jack Greenish, you haven't mentioned Marcus Rashford, who can come on change games as well. And there's just so much there, isn't there? But we will see. And then just finally, another man who you probably will see in Qatar is obviously David Dean. Um, you were involved in his book. The, um, AST had an event with David a couple of weeks yeah. ago, which members were listening. If you haven't watched it, you can go on our YouTube channel and watch the full recording or you can listen as a podcast if, if you like. Um, David, you know, I mean, David was in great, great form. He brought his magic spray, did it across the across the floor. <laughs> he obviously had the toilet with him as well, which yeah. is obviously the award he's very proud of. And you know, um, the stories we, we no doubt we've heard them, but a lot of members hadn't heard them. Just a really successful night. But just briefly, I mean, you obviously supported the book yourself and Amy Lawrence. How was the whole project? And obviously, with the climax in the uh, Cambridge Theatre about a month ago, which was obviously I was there, I was second row. I mean, it was it was I mean, just for me as a fanboy moment, you know, sitting alongside Jens, I think 
Soul was was there and Colo and Gilberto and it was just like wow this is cool isn't it but how was it for you but you know what that's a reflection on David's popularity respect I mean it's quite interesting when you see Ian Wright who's obviously an Arsenal legend he just refers to him as Mr Dean yeah. you know there is that Mr Dean that's on Thierry as well as well you know and they were just yeah, I was just pleased for him because he's he's you know generally likable guy. He's obsessed with the concept of family, and the family obviously his own. His three kids, his his amazing wife. Um, I mean, if you go into his house, the first thing he does is to get his. He's got this fantastic dog to get get the dog to do magic tricks. I mean, th- there is that sort of entertainment. I mean, it was just I laughed when David said he wanted to have an event on the West End stage, and I said, "You are, you know, that was he would have been an impresario um, or, or an actor." So he, I just thought the fact that Sven was prepared to to come over Sweden, Arsenal obviously turned up and and spoke very well. Um, Lee Dixon, Patrick Vieira. I mean, it was just, it was fantastic. And uh, just a huge credit to, I think also the substance of people who are involved with the club, but also the the respect and emotion and warmth that, that David generates in people. Yeah. And, and the actual book project, did you sort of, did you enjoy it? Enjoy working yeah, with him? It. Enjoy getting it all out of him? Because it was, yeah. you know, it, 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 it's, I've read the book now and it actually is, it's very good. It's very, very good. Yeah, well, I mean, that's mainly down to Amy because Amy did all the Arsenal stuff. Yeah. And I, and I did all the sort of magic sprays and sort of <laughs> disappearing World Cup bid stuff. Um, yeah. So, no, he's just a very engaging character. He's very warm. He's one of those people, famous people, who actually says, How are you? And he genuinely means it and he remembers things. He remembers things, you know, how's the family or whatever. So, uh, no, he was, he was, he was good. So, uh, yeah. And I heard the event went absolutely brilliantly. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, so, full house, full house, lots of questions. Yeah, yeah he was, he was, he sold a further hundred books, which considering yeah. the books been out a month, you know, is 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 incredible and stuff it's like good. that. I, I thought it was quite interesting. The club decided not to sell it, which I, I mean, I, 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 mean topic. I know, I know he was hurt by that, but I don't think he'd mind me saying that. And I he went, talks about he talks about it openly. Like, there at, at the that, that, good. I'm not telling tales out of school. Oh, but, right. then he, but then I actually said to him when when I'd heard when they emailed him to say they weren't going to stock it at the shop, I said, "Well, that's great news because it's it's it then becomes a balanced reflection of the club, and everyone knows it's a love story." Um, him and Arsenal still is. He still goes. He's passionate about it. I mean, I'll occasionally get calls from him from around the world, wherever he is on his boat or some way for a FIFA event. He said, oh, did you see the game last night? You know, and the under-23s won as well. He's passionate about it. So, um, yeah, that was, I mean, that's the that's the club's decision. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that, I think that, actually, you know what? He was very open about the European Super League. And, you know, he talked to people at the club and he talked to people he knew at other clubs, you know, the plotters, um, just to say, because he's got a good moral compass, David, and say, listen, cannot be doing this. It is just, you know, it, the fans are right. Well, right. Emotionally right. So, yeah, no, he's a, he's, 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 he's a good guy. Funny guy. And very last final question, Arsene Wenger, you obviously wrote a piece. I think I, I gave you a quote for that. But that, with the Dave... that your quote was the best bit. <laughs> nah, said nah, quote so good. Can we put it in the intro? Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't. I do try. <laughs> but um, we, we actually, David, David, we talked about it with David in our event. We actually asked members what they thought. And there was just a massive round of applause 
i.e., you know, for Arson to come back. I think David did actually send the clip to Arson. So I don't, I don't know what Arson's reaction was, but hopefully Arson knows the trust certainly would, would love to see him back. But, you know, it's just, it's just a shame, isn't it, to see a statue gathering dust somewhere in a warehouse when. He deserves, I understand him taking a little, I just said it in the quote, but I understand him yeah, taking yeah. a little bit of time away and not being that Sir Alex Ferguson kind of um, figure because it was different at Arsenal. But it does feel now, Arsenal top of the league, we've moved on, he's moved on. Exactly. It's time, isn't it? And, and I think I think Arsenal would, Arsenal would do it like a shot. You guys would just give him a fantastic reception. Arteta is on record as saying he would love to, to, to have him back. The players would... I, I think it's down to Arsenal. When I spoke to him, and you know, he is, as you said in your quote, I mean, it's. Uh, I think he was he was hurt the way it went, but you know, at all times, you know, we have to, you know, we, we have to go back, you know. And I think he will get an amazing reaction. And I think the fact that he's still thinking about it, I don't know, on a daily, weekly basis about his relationship, then just Arsenal, just leave it, come back, be embraced. Have your name sung by the fans. Okay, some of them might have been, you know, wanted you out or whatever. But the fact is, you know, he did an amazing, he built that stadium. He built the modern arsenal. And he, you know, he helped shape Mikel Arteta. And Arteta will welcome you back. So, look, absolutely, I hope it happens. And that statue needs some fresh air. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I think many people listening to this will agree with you. A few may not, which is absolutely fair as well, but I think many will. Henry, wish you well for Qatar. Enjoy the World Cup. Um, and yeah, hope it all goes well. Let's hope England do well. We're obviously hoping Bakayo uh, has, a, has a good tournament. I mean, all the Arsenal players will obviously be watching them. We'll, watch, we'll be watching Shaka in Switzerland and Jesus at Brazil, etc. But obviously it's Bakayo and hopefully Ben White that will be watching. Maybe Aaron Ramsdale might get the third game in the group. You never know. But um, yeah, wish you well. Enjoy it. Stay safe. Thank you. And what would be absolutely perfect if England gets to a final, there's a penalty shootout, Bakayo Saka wins it. <laughs> stuff dreams are made of and then and then comes back to win the league title let's just, let's just <laughs> add that on <laughs> Henry take Brilliant. care enjoy and we'll speak to you soon good to see you Akko. take care mate yeah and that was Henry Winter from the Times have a great rest of the week enjoy the last couple of games of this part of the season enjoy the World Cup and up the Arsenal <laughs>